final segment of Canuck Central, and this hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company helping local business since 1892. Satsi shot with Jamie Dodd, who's in for Dan Richill. Remains in protocol, but our guys feeling better. We'll be back next week. So uh, we look forward to having Dan Richill back and healthy. More than anything healthy. Yes, that's the most important that's thing. important thing. So uh, that's where he's at. All right. Uh, one of our favorite segments that we do every week is on Wednesdays, and that is overrated, underrated. And uh, we always appreciate all the texts and the questions and all the suggestions that come up. And we have tons of them today. So let's get things going on overrated, underrated. All right. We'll start things off with Ray Hat. And he says, the work Brad Shaw has done on the defense. I'm probably going to say overrated just because it's not as if it's become all of a sudden a lockdown defensive team here. Like a lot of the good defensive record is because of Thatcher Demko. Yeah. Realistically. And he's gotten good results. Don't get me wrong. You know, he's gotten good results. But I do think when when Bradshaw was hired, there was this idea that he was going to completely transform what the Canucks look like defensively, or at least on the blue line. I'm not sure we've seen that necessarily. So... uh Let's also keep in mind that Brad Shaw didn't take over the defense right. initially, right? And it's one of those things that he's been kind of looking to do. And if you look at how the teams played since Boudreaux took over, they have improved. But as always, things get overrated at times, right? I think the part of Brad Shaw's work that's been underrated is the work he's done on the PK. That's fair. And, yeah, I, and that is, yeah. as you said, since he's taken over, because even then it was Scott Walker first. And yeah. Scott Walker, of course, wasn't able to be with the team for a bit. And then Brad Shaw really took over. And that's when you've seen uh, the penalty kill get a lot better. And that was one of his trademarks when he was with Columbus as well, was working on the penalty kill. Yeah, no doubt about that. All right, let's keep things moving. Alien Pete, signing Miller long-term, overrated, underrated. Uh, for me, overrated. Clearly, clearly overrated. I mean, like anything, it comes down to the number. Sure. Right? Um, but I, I, from what I'm seeing from a lot of fans, stuff like eight, eight by eight, that's fine. Eight and a half, that's fine. Oof. No, 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 no. Like I've said all along, I want to explore ways to keep JT. I've been saying this for months, but with a clear number, it has to be a team friendly number. At no point have I been willing to go over eight million or even eight million or whatever it is. It all comes down to, you know, the number. But anything in eight and anything seven or eight years, that's that's very very overrated. I just don't see I don't see how the upside is there for to to make it make sense for the Canucks. And, and how are you getting surplus value? out exactly. of Exactly. Are you? What are the realistic chances that you get surplus value out of that contract? And as you said, is there a number where you do it at seven years? Sure, but I just don't see that number being realistic. Right. And here's the thing: like, it, let's say, and I've mentioned this before, I can see the Canucks making an offer seven million per season. Um, and maybe that's still a lot. And yeah, I mean, that make make you be a bit squirrely, but if you bake in that, okay, the cap's going to go up in a few years and how contracts are coming off the books in three years, 7 million may not be absurd or four years. It may not be absurd, right? So maybe you can find a way to live with it. But as long as you're sitting here and having conversations about finding out a way to live with the contract, that's never a yeah. good sign, right? So I think. If it's a massive number, way overrated. It's going to be hard for you to manage your cap. Yeah, I'm, I'm firmly in the overrated camp here. King PA, trading Horvat. Whew. Is this, okay, I'll start is this, this fix burner. I'll, I'll start. I'll start off this. Uh, I'll say his trade value underrated. That's true. 
right? Like, I think yes. that, you know, for all the talk about, like, you got to trade Miller, you got to trade Miller. Like, if you do keep Miller and end up trading Bo, the values may not be all that far off because Bo's a bit, a bit younger, but also because of the reputation Bo has. Yeah. But with a lot of people. Like, I look at the team like the Blues, they might be salivating <laughs> at a guy like Bo Horvat, right? And, and the number of other teams. So I think his value is probably underrated. I'm going to say trading him, though. The I get I get what you're saying about the value, but the actual act of trading Bo Horvat is overrated. I think people put way too much on, oh, Bo's not He's not a good enough captain. He's not emotional enough. He's not a real leader. That uh, you got to trade him. Get rid of him. Come on. Come on. He's still a good hockey player. And, look, I get it. I get the complaints. But overrated is trading Bo Horvat. Uh, <laughs> I'm not as terrified of it as you are. I'm not terrified <laughs> of it. I just think people think it's like, Oh, that's what's going to really solve things. You got to get him out of here. Oh, Look, yeah. if there's a good offer that comes sure. along, sure. I mean, it's not like he, he's a guy holding the team back. Exactly. Right? Like that, you know. So I, I get what you're saying there. All right, Matt Pisco, the 2022 draft overrated, underrated. I think at this point, it's veering into underrated. Because listen, every single draft, even the bad ones, they have good players yeah. come out of it, right? And. People always point to the 99 draft. Sure, I mean, that's not a great one. There's like a handful of guys, really. But this draft's not going to be that bad because every time people say it's going to be that bad. My favorite one was 2017. This is the worst draft collection since the 99 draft. And and people that are now working for NHL organizations were saying this. Tell me about the 2017 NHL entry draft again. Yeah. And tell me how bad that draft is. Kill McCarr. Elias Patterson, Mira Mira Heiskanen. Heiskanen. I mean, yeah. the list goes on and on and on, the 2017 draft. So I'm not saying this 2022 draft is going to be the 2017 draft, but I think it's veering into underrated with how people are dismissing the draft. And I think part of the dismissal comes from just not having had enough looks on guys and it being another weird year in evaluation. Well, and I think in general... Like bad draft classes tend to become very underrated and good ones tend to become overrated, right? Like the hype train already for the 2023 draft class is getting a little bit out of control. And I get it, you know, Bedard and uh, Mitchkov and Fantilli, I, I get why it's so exciting. And I'm not saying it's not better than the 2022, but I think sometimes we tend to think of it as, you know, oh yeah, like pick 25 in 2023 is guaranteed to be an all-star, but pick number three in this year's draft is going to be a bust for sure. It's like, no, they're way closer than that. So I, I do think this year is probably a little underrated. Yeah, I'd say so too. It always goes extremes. And I mean, a guy that knows prospects well is our man, Eddie Gregory, Frass Eddie Gregory producing the show. I mean, how often do we see this, Eddie? Like every year people talk about draft being great and being bad, and there's usually a baseline that gets met. Absolutely there is, and everyone wants to make definitive answers and statements right now. Yeah. And it just takes time. And it all a draft always looks better five or six years later. And I just said a guy in your ear sat. Nico Heischer, maybe not quite superstar at first overall, but 50 points in 60 games on still a pretty bad New Jersey team. He's coming the right way for New Jersey. Yeah, no doubt about that. And, and how about the late rising star out of that draft, Jason Robertson, scoring 32 goals this year, second round pick in 2017. Yeah. So that should be a lesson here to don't write off draft classes too quickly. All right, let's keep things moving. Canucks house, Boudreaux in the playoffs. Overrated, underrated. It's got to be underrated because everybody acts like he's just, you know, gets swept in the first round every time he makes it to the playoffs, right? It's it's not like he hasn't won playoff rounds. Yeah, and just in general, I think we put too much stock in what players and coaches do 
once they make the playoffs. Not that there aren't guys who can raise their game or anything, but sometimes, you know, it'll be a sample size. And I know it's larger for Boudreaux, but it'll be a sample size of like three playoff rounds. And we act like we always know what the guy's going to do next time in the playoffs. The idea that it would be impossible for Boudreaux to get it done in the playoffs I don't buy that at all. He's he's underrated in the playoffs. Yeah, I, you know, I don't. I'd say I don't know if he's underrated because okay, he's won five rounds in the postseason, right? So in total, he's gotten to the third round once, which was conference finals with the Anaheim Ducks, yeah. and I mean they came close to going to the Cup final that year too, right? So I mean that was a strong Ducks team, but he also has five first round exits. Well, sorry, six first. The round record's exits. not great. There's no doubt about that. I get it. Yeah. But still, I think we may we blow it up a little bit, right? Yeah, and and look, yeah. sir, this happens more with players than coaches, but there's always guys who get hung with the, oh, can't get it done in the playoffs label until they eventually get it done in the playoffs, right? Like Alex Ovechkin. And a lot of it was tied with Bruce Boudreaux when he was still in Washington, right? But how long do we say, oh, I can't, can't win in the playoffs, can't win in the playoffs, and then he goes and wins the Stanley Cup, right? So I, I think we're way too quick to uh, give the label of can't get it done in the playoffs to different guys. I'm with you on that. All right, uh, let's keep things moving. Van Banana, Trevor Linden, overrated, underrated. Wow. Wow. All right, I want to let you answer this one first. <laughs> I got mine in a holster. <laughs> Here, Okay, here's here's what I'm going to say. As a as a player and a person, I'll, I'll, I, will, uh, I will shamelessly pander and I will go underrated. As an executive, overrated. There has become a, in hindsight, idea that Trevor Linden had this very progressive, forward-thinking way that he wanted to build the team. And if only he had stuck around, it would have been completely different. And look, maybe he did change his mind towards the end, and that's why things ultimately went the way they did. But let's not forget that Trevor Linden was responsible for a lot of the things that went poorly in the first few years of the Jim Benning regime as well. So I will say underrated as a player, he has become overrated as an executive. Okay, so, so what I would say is um, from from what? From his last season in Vancouver, or actually even before that, from his last season in Vancouver on, and I don't mean his second stint, his first stint when he got right. traded in 98. He's been overrated as a player. Like, you know, his early tenure in Vancouver, really good two-way guy, scored over 30 goals, led this team to a cup run. They won playoff rounds. You know what I mean? This is not a team that had first-round exits every year, right? I mean, leading up to the 94 cup run, this is a team that got to the second round back-to-back years. Even the year after, they won a round and lost in the second round. So it's not like, you know, he was a captain of a team that never did anything. So I'd say he was maybe underrated the first part of his career, but I think the second part of his career was overrated because he was never the player he got paid to be. That's fair. I will say the thing that really stands out to me about Trevor Linden is just how long he played and how many games he played, right? He played almost 1,400 games in the NHL. That's really, really hard to do. And, you know, he was never the kind of, you know, he was never in discussion as one of the elite players in the league, right? So I get that. But just to be the kind of professional he was and play as as physically and, you know, as engaged as he did and play that long, last that long in the NHL, still contributing to teams, again, look, I'm, I'm panning. Set, but yeah. I'll, I'll say underrated. <laughs> but, uh, you know, as far as executive goes, you're right in pointing that stuff out because I do believe that towards the end and when the split happened between Trevor Linden and the organization that they were very much at loggerheads, right? Like, we have a different vision. He was very much I, – I think, I think the light bulb went off, right? Because initially they came in. You're right. 
what Lyndon said was the same thing Benning said and the same thing this organization said. He, he handpicked Jim Benning. Well, and they said we can turn this around in a hurry. And even after the first year when the Canucks made the playoffs, I mean, there were quotes from Benning and Lyndon talking about how their vision was validated and how this is what they're going to do every year. They're going to you know keep rebuilding but be competitive, make the playoffs, and continue being a good team. Well, they didn't make the playoffs for like six years after that, right? They missed the playoffs five straight years after that point. So – I think that he also misjudged, like the organization did, where this team was and what they had to do. And after a few years of those failures, I think it became clear to him that, okay, we got to take a bit of a step back here. We can't continue this road. We have to be patient. And at that point, they had, been, they had gone so far down the road of doing what they were doing that it became a hard sell to tell ownership all of a sudden that, no, we got to do a 180. We're not building towards something. we got to take a step back. And when you tell or you sell somebody on a vision or you buy into a vision of winning now, and then you say, oh, that failed. Oh, actually, that's not going to work. And listen, and he's not wrong about it, but I do think that people are overrating that tenure and how it all unfolded. Well, they romanticized how it came to an end. Just think about some of the, the moves from the Jim Benning tenure that have aged the most poorly, right? Like, think about the Erica Branson trade and extension, right? Brandon Sutter, the trade and extension. The Louis Erickson contract. Those all happened with Trevor Linden still yeah. here. <laughs> now, you know, where the split happened was the Jay Beagle year. That right. year, he was not a proponent of those. I don't think he was. He was more or less take a step back here. But the team was kind of like, no, we're, you know, we feel like this is what we need to do. And that's when things kind of came to a head and he parted ways with the organization. Uh, let's keep things going. Andrew, OEL and Myers as a pair. It's probably become a little bit overrated. A little overrated? <laughs> I mean, I, they were really good to start were, the year. They were. They were. And, but I remember we had these conversations, and even with Reach and stuff, right? And it was like he was trying to make the point, like, they're underrated. And I'm like, I mean, how can you be underrated if you're getting paid like $13 million as a D-pair? <laughs> and you're not even producing as a second, you know, as a for that type of money, right? They've been, they were good defensively, yes. But at the end of the day, even though they were good defensively, they were still not providing enough offense considering the amount of money that is owed to those players. Yeah, and since their performance has tapered off, I think no doubt about it, they have become overrated as a pair now. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right, how about this one from Monty Chisholm, uh, Chisholm. Canucks, Quinn Hughes as power play quarterback. Whew, that's a spicy one. I... I think you have to say overrated at this point. And I am a massive fan of Quinn Hughes' game. Massive, massive fan of Quinn Hughes' game. But when you look at the consistent struggles that the power play does have, uh, they'll go in slumps, they'll go through long stretches where they really struggle to get going. And the fact that it doesn't provide any goal scoring as from himself on the power play, right? I like a lot of what he does on the power play, but... I don't think we can put him in that kind of elite power play quarterback category right now, so I probably got to say a little bit overrated. Oh, man, I think he's properly rated as a power play quarterback because I, I Well, I didn't know properly rated was an option yeah, here. Yeah, I know. I mean, I should have told you that. <laughs> no, I mean, usually we don't. I mean, I would say, I, 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 hey, we don't use the, the we don't use the uh, we don't use that option very often, right? Like it's one of those like you can use it, but you don't use it very right, often. So right. It's better that you stay away from it, but. Yeah, I mean, he's not the best power play quarterback in the league, but what did Paul Coffey tell us yesterday? That he's as good as anybody on the power play to get a shot through and run that power play, right? And uh, I think part of the issue with the Canucks power play is what are you trying to accomplish as a unit? And I think part of that comes back to chemistry, too. But however, the point I do agree with, because I know Monty mentioned, he hasn't scored a goal in, like, what, in forever on yes. the power play. So that is an area of his game that has to improve his shot it, on the point. It is a good point. 
by you though that you have Paul Coffey on your side, so that, <laughs> that that kind of outweighs my opinion. Like if Paul Coffey said he's a good power play quarterback, that's probably the right take. Yeah, that'd be all right, might be all right. All right, uh, we can go to some. Uh, we have some. We have some time to get to some non Canuck ones, or just uh, sports ones in general. Here, Matt and Surrey, the captaincy in sports. Overrated. Extremely overrated. Yeah. Extremely overrated. You need a leader, and there comes a certain level of accountability and expectation being a captain, but a captain in and of, a, of himself. There are very few individuals that are captains that are the idealistic captain people talk about. Those right. people, very, very few of them do exist. And we put so much more emphasis on it in hockey than so many other sports. Do you remember... Uh, the Red Sox used to like make a big deal that Jason Veritek was the captain. I think they even put a little C on his jersey for a little bit. And it's like, come on, he's like the eighth best player on the team. This doesn't matter at all. And there's a reason why other sports don't make as big a deal about it. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, all right, let's keep them going. Discount Dracula, Whopper Wednesday. Not a Whopper guy. Really? No, not like a Whoppers? burger, not a BK guy. Huh. What no. is it? You just don't love the barbecue? I don't know. I don't know what it is about Burger Char. King. I've just never got, I've probably eaten a Burger King like, under five times in my life. Really? Yeah. Wow. There was a while I used to eat I know. Burger King like five and times I, a week. And I love fast food, so that's saying Man. something. So back in the day, like uh, growing up in the North Shore, there used to be a Burger King on Marine Drive. Oh, I know in it. North Van. Uh-huh. Well, you know it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A very, very frequent visitor of that Burger I, uh, King, especially on Whopper Wednesdays. No, I would uh, I would hit up the, uh, the McDonald's just down the way on Pemberton there, so... That McDonald's drive-thru I've been through many times. (laughs) Many times. Anyway, so (laughs) overrated Whopper Wednesday for me. All right, underrated. That's where I'm going. Basketball Phil, Andy Reid and Pete Carroll. Wow, we're we're lumping them together here? (laughs) No, all right. Andy Reid, he said overrated, Pete Carroll underrated. Oh, man. I think Pete Carroll's got to be overrated at this point. Uh, yeah, I, I would probably lean towards that too. That Pete's probably a bit overrated, and I think Andy Reid's still underrated. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm right there as well. I mean, Pete Carroll, just like you look at what's happened with that organization recent years, gotta go overrated. All right, we'll do some quick ones. Uh, Matt Pisco, Blue Jay starting rotation, underrated, overrated. It hurts me to say, probably slightly overrated. <sighs> I might have to agree with you on that. Uh, Prabjot at home car wash. Uh, overrated. Underrated. Wash your car so much cheaper, as long as you have the right equipment. Just don't wash your car. Who cares? <laughs> Let it be dirty. <laughs> uh, Steve, craft beer. Used to be overrated. Now I think underrated. Uh, taking the day off on your birthday from JL. Overrated. I agree with that. And finally, AJ Hogg, Tarantino movie. Underrated. Woo. Underrated. All right. I, I, man, as much as I love some of the movies, I would say under overrated. But that's all the time we have. Pre-game shows next.